And I just want to use my life as a testimony that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I truly think that darkness is a doorway for where the light can come in. And I think that what feels like it might be the end of your life can often just be the beginning. It's when you lost, you'll find it. Part of the truth you're hiding. You will only hear it in silence. You're not alone on the island. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. It's Ashley, and I cannot wait for this conversation today. I am joined by one of the most beautiful humans in the world who happens to be an insanely gifted music artist. She released her first EP Castles back in January and is dropping a new and much anticipated single this Friday. So I know her as my friend Christina Corbett, but she goes as wild and I am so excited to introduce her on this podcast. So my friend, welcome. I know that this is a crazy and wild week for you. So thank <laughs> you so much for taking this time to hop on here for this conversation. Hello. Oh my gosh. I'm so hyped. Honestly, you are someone that I feel like believed in me from day one, if not the first person that ever believed in me. And I just have so much love for you. I think you have the best heart. I love everything you're doing with this podcast. This is my first podcast, actually. And it's special to me that it's with you because I just have so much love for you. And I feel like you're one of those people that even if we don't talk in a couple of years, we just like know the love is still there. You know, I feel like those are the best kind of relationships. Yes, literally it's been a minute since we've even chatted. So it's so cool to, to hop on here and do this. I couldn't agree more with what you said. We've just connected in friendship and have always been so supportive, I think, of each other. I'm in awe, in awe of where you've been, where, where you are now. And just in that whole process, again, you are just, you are really incredible. And I really mean that from my heart. And it's just so cool to me that the world gets to hear your voice. You know, you are a vessel of hope and, you know, your message of, of never giving up, which was really birthed, I think, several years ago. So that's where I want to start, because I think now more than ever, we really do need that encouragement and just real stories of real people that can spark that light of hope in somebody. And that's what you do. And it's so powerful. So I just want to start there back to the beginning. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, all of your words are just like piercing my heart. Thank you so much. It's all so, so mutual. I love everything that you're about. And you've honestly encouraged me so much over the years. Like even since that time we're talking about when I was like 12 and this all first started, I just remember you being such a source of encouragement for me. So thank you so much for that. Likewise, yeah. likewise, you know <laughs> that like really it's, it's so much love. Like it really, really is. Seriously, I'm just like, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> but yeah, it all kind of started when I was 12. It's funny because I, I honestly feel like I couldn't really sing, but I just, I felt like I had this calling on my life. Like I have journals from when I was 12, just saying, I know that I have this mission on this earth to bring light through music. And it just felt so clear to me. And I felt like I was almost given the end vision. Like I could really see the end. And that's what's kept me going this whole time. I feel like I had this vision given to me where I could see the end result. But yeah, I didn't really find my voice until a little bit later on. Singing in front of people was actually like my biggest fear. I wouldn't sing for anyone, but I knew it's what I wanted to do. But I just didn't really have any confidence there. I used to literally pray. I'd be like, God, if you just give me a really good voice, I swear I'll do amazing things with it. <laughs> like, I just need you to help me have a better voice. And it wasn't until I think maybe when I was like 15 or 16 that I feel like I really started to find my voice. 
And then when I was 16, I auditioned for The X Factor. And that was the first time I ever sang in front of anyone. And the first round is just like a tent with the producer. It's not the, the crazy judges round you see on TV. There's like five preliminary rounds before that. So I had a friend done the season tell me like, hey, it's just a little tent. There's no pressure. You just sing for one person. So I was like, all right, let me find out if I can even sing. So I go to this first round, I get through that round, I got through the second, the third, and then I get the call that I get to sing for the judges on TV with like 10,000 people, Simon Cowell, Britney Spears, LA Reid, all the judges. So I got the call the night before. So 100,000 people audition for City and they break it down to like 30 people. So I get the call the night before and they're like, hey, you've been chosen to be an alternate, which basically means if someone were to get sick or if anything happens, like you'll get to audition. So I get this call the night of, so like trying to prepare super last minute, I get to the venue and they're like, hey, because you're getting the call so last minute, we don't have time of the network to approve your track. So you have to sing acapella. And singing acapella in an arena is quite difficult, especially without in-ears or monitors or anything. So anyways, I get there and I'm getting to audition and I get to like the part where you go up the stairs and they bring me to that side corner and there's a guy who's just like, three, two, one. And then I walk out to this X on stage in front of 10,000 people cheering and all the judges. And honestly, it felt like a slow motion dream. Like It was the most bizarre experience of my life. It just felt like slow motion. So I get up there and I start singing like a stripped down jazzy version of Cooler Than Me by Mike Posner. And like three lines in, the audience starts cheering. Simon Cowell puts up his hand and he's like, where's your background music? And I was like, oh, they, they told me like I couldn't use it. And he's like, all right, we'll sing a different song then. And I was like, okay, I'm going to sing Ordinary People by John Legend. And he was like, no, I hate that song. <laughs> and I was like, um, okay. And he's like, pick a different song. And I, in that moment, I couldn't think of any songs. With 10,000 people watching me, I was just so blank. I was like, I said I would sing your song by Elton John, which I don't even think I know the words to. I don't know why that came out. So I start singing that. At that point, my voice was so shaky. I, I think my voice cracked. It was all over the place. So Simon stops me again. And he's like, I just think that there's nothing original about your voice. You have a typical voice. It's a no for me. And then Demi Lovato said no. And at that moment I realized, because I think you get, I think after two no's, it's a no. And at that point, I had just become homeschooled to start working full time to save up, to move to LA to pursue music once I turned 18. So I had just left high school to pursue this. And in that moment, it just felt like everything was on the line. And then they all said no. And that moment for me was just, I honestly thought it was a dream. I think because the adrenaline it wasn't until I woke up in the middle of the night that I realized that that had actually just happened. And I mean, at 16, or I don't know if I was 16 or 17, but I think that that kind of rejection at that age, like I didn't realize until years later, the effect that had on me. Cause at the time I was such a little go-getter. I was like, I'm going to use this and I'm going to, I'm going to write down. I like would journal everything that the judges said. And I would, I was like, I'm going to use this as fuel. But yeah, they all said no. And then those next couple months waiting for it to air, I just remember being just so worried that they were going to air me and like everyone at school was going to see it and I was going to be a joke. And just at that age, I was just like, my life is over. Like my dreams are crushed. And then from that point on, I just started auditioning for like all the singing shows. I'm sure you remember this, this time in my life. I just started doing all the shows. I did The Voice, I did American Idol. And then I went to do The Voice and the same kind of thing happened. I got, I got rejected again. And I remember right after I walked outside and it was just pouring rain in New York City. And then at American Idol, Harry Connick Jr., I think it was one of the judges. He was like, look, you're just not an entertainer. Like I only ever see you being an opening act. And then I got home that night and I was like, you know what? 
I'm done with these shows. I'm going to book a flight to LA. I'm going to move out there and work as hard as I can and become a headlining act and prove these judges wrong. So that was the moment where I was like, okay, it's funny. People always say, actually on the ride, the bus ride home from New York city, people always say like, I heard the voice of God. <laughs> I'm always like, whenever I hear people say that, I'm like, you might be a little crazy, but I, I know what that means now because I feel like God does speak through like our intuition and it's more of like an insight of feeling. And I remember having this moment of feeling like I heard this, not that I heard, but I, I felt this sensation of like, are you done chasing this on your own? Like your, your own plans? Like, are you ready to see the plan that I have for you? Clearly I didn't listen because I did idle right after that. But I remember having that feeling and just knowing that there was a way greater plan than, than these singing shows. So yeah, after that, I started looking at plane tickets and then I moved out to LA and I was like, I'm ready to start a new chapter and just do this on my own. It's so crazy because you literally did. That's (laughs) that's literally what you did though. It's one thing I think to talk about, you know, not giving up, but it's another to actually walk it and live it. And you're an example of that. I mean, that's a huge leap of faith. It's not like you moved out there with any kind of, you know, you have the next three or four steps ahead of you. It was like, no, this is just what I'm doing. And I'm just trusting where I'm going, where I'm going to be. And even just in that rejection, right? Like just think about the power of our words, how we, how we see each other and how we speak to each other, because that really sinks in sometimes. And like, it can actually do something so powerful. And in this instance, it just kind of continued to fuel that fire in you to, to continue to pursue your dreams, but look how powerful that is, right? Yeah, for sure. I feel like words hold so much power. And I, I, it makes me think of the kids that audition for these shows that they, they hear something like that from the judges and that's just the end for them. And they, they believe what they said to be the truth. And like, maybe they think, okay, well, I can't sing and they give up. Or even people that have parents that aren't supportive or teachers. I feel like growing up, it just takes one person to be like, you can't do that. And most of the time, if it's a young age, you're like, oh yeah, you're right. I can't. That's so true. It's, it's powerful. So you booked the, it was a one-way ticket, right? You booked a one-way ticket. Yeah. Boston, LA. So yeah, one way ticket. Take us through that journey. How was it literally as you're getting on the plane and all of that? Like, yeah, I think I had imagined that moment in my head for so many years. So when it it finally came, there was no fear there. I was just so ready. Yeah. And then, so I moved out here with no car, no job, no money. I definitely didn't come from a family that, you know, was like super wealthy or had money. So I kind of always had to do it all on my own. And my parents are so supportive, but my mom obviously was nervous. You know, her daughter's moving to LA, who's 18 by herself. And I remember she was like, okay, I support you, but like, you're kind of insane. What are you going to do when you get there? You have no money. Like, even if you find a job, how are you going to commute there at night being this young girl by herself? And I remember being like, I can't explain it, but I just know that if I take this leap of faith and I go, that something's just going to happen. Like it's going to work itself out. And I just, I know that to be true. And I, and I'm just trusting in that. So I move out here by myself and it's night one in LA checking into the leasing office of my first apartment. And there's this girl in the corner who's just like crying her eyes out. You know, no one's really paying attention to her. Everyone's just kind of walking by her. And I went over and sat by her. And sometimes it's hard if like, you know, you see someone crying, you don't want to like be intrusive or anything. But I just went over, sat by her. And I was just like, hey, can I hug you? And she was like, yeah. And um, I gave her a hug. And then naturally she started just telling me what, what was going on. And we were having to use a translator app because she like barely spoke English. She had just moved here from Hungary traveled 22 hours, just lost all her luggage. She didn't have a phone because it was international that she could call her parents from. And she was just so alone and scared and just like didn't have anything with her. I sat back down for a moment and I had this feeling on my heart. I remember being like, help this girl. Like you have to help this girl. And 
I obviously had imagined that moment for so many years of like walking into my apartment for the first time. And I imagine, you know, doing that alone and getting to have a moment. But in that, in that second, I was like, no, like this is, this is priority. I have to help this girl. So I bring her to my apartment and open up my suitcase and I just give her clothes and blankets for the night and anything she needed. I was like, just literally take whatever you want. Um, yeah. And I thought nothing of it. And I would, I would just think that that's what anyone would do, you know, if someone needed help. And then I go to sleep and I wake up to a phone call, literally first morning waking up in LA. I get this call from the regional manager of the apartment complex. And she's like, Hey, can you come down here? We need to talk to you. And I'm like, Oh shit. They're probably like, this girl can't pay her rent. (laughs) So I go down there and they're like, Hey, we heard what you did for that girl. We just thought it was so kind of you. And we know that you just moved here. We wanted to offer you a job working in the leasing office. Um, They're like, you get a discounted rent. All you have to do is just walk downstairs. And yeah. So day one in LA, right when I woke up, I had a job handed to me that didn't require transportation, that gave me a discounted rent, all from just a moment of kindness. And it's so crazy looking back because that job is for sure the reason that I was able to stay out here. Um, Through that job, I met my best friend who's like my sister. Any music opportunity I've had, the dots can be connected back to that job. And I always think back, wow, in that moment, if I was just like, you know what, like she'll figure it out. Like I have my, I had so many suitcases and so much going on. And I, if in that moment I was like, well, you know, like I'm stressed too, like she'll figure it out. Like my life would be drastically different. I don't even think I would have still been in LA. I probably would have had to move back home to Boston. So yeah, it's just crazy what a moment of kindness can do. That is so good. I'd never heard that before. I I didn't know that story. Yeah. I don't think I've ever told you that. Isn't that insane? Yeah, it really is. You can go back and connect all of those dots back to that moment. That's wild insane pun intended (laughs) Uh, yeah that's gonna it's gonna continue to be the pun as we go (laughs) but yeah that's so awesome so you started with that job and then from there where did everything go from there yeah so then I started doing just different sessions with different producers and songwriters and that was when I started to realize the effects that the x factor had on me because I would get these amazing opportunities with like really established producers and writers and the session would come and I would just self-sabotage myself the whole day. I'd be like, oh my gosh, like they're going to realize that I can't sing. And I would tell myself that story the whole day and I'd get to the session and it'd be time to cut vocals. And I would just be so nervous. Um, And then I'd get in there and I'd be like, all right, here it goes. They're going to realize I can't sing. And then it would just kind of start to go downhill because I was so nervous and didn't believe in myself at all. Um, And so that's what would happen every time. And I feel like I like wouldn't hear from these producers again, because I just kind of bombed it. And then I had a friend that did music and he would always want to work on stuff together. And I would like feel confident to do it. And then I would be kind of flaky. And then I finally saw him somewhere one day and he was just like, yo, like kind of just called me out. I just, I'm not really confident in my voice. And I was just sharing all that with him. And he's like, where do you think that started? Just having all those moments of rejection when I was like 16, even though I was, it, it built a fuel in me for sure. And I kept going, like it definitely did something to the way that I heard my voice. And I, I think I just believed the things that they said in a way. And it wasn't until I really like put that together that I was able to kind of heal from that and be like, no, you know what? There is maybe something special in my voice. And like, this is, this is my gift to share with the world. I love that. That's so good because it is. Your voice is so powerful. But that's so crazy, though, how we can get in. And I don't know, maybe you can speak to this, just kind of like these stories that we tell ourselves, right? That you play this narrative over and over and over again. And it can tie back to these to these old stories, right? Oh, yeah. I think that ties into everything in life. Like the majority of people, I feel like, have these negative thoughts that always stem from some childhood belief. And it might be from a moment that you don't even remember. Like, or someone telling you that you're not good. Like people that have this belief that they're not lovable or that, 
they're not good at anything. It's always traced back to a moment in childhood where someone planted that seed in your brain. And sometimes people don't remember the moment and it's like, it sticks with you. And I feel like it takes a lot of unlearning and unconditioning to realize that those thoughts were put there by someone else. Any negative belief I feel like is always put there from someone else. Yeah, it's a lot of unlearning and relearning. But what's so encouraging about that, though, is it, it could be something that that has happened, right? But like that doesn't have to continue to be your story. Like exactly. You no, know, that's what's so cool is how you know we have we have choices, right? Like we can learn again, and we can we, we're always evolving. We're always evolving in our learning and understanding and of ourselves and of the world and of others. And that's just what's amazing. So. Yeah. Like looking back on your life, you never can pinpoint a moment like, wow, that day I grew so much. Like growth is this gradual sneaky thing where it just happens slowly and you never get to like pinpoint where it happened. It's just like this process over time. It's so true. But that's the thing too. And I think that's why all of the little things matter. Like everything that we do each and every day, you know, how we treat each other, our approach to the day, like it really does matter. Yeah. I think just being like a nice person and being good to people, I think in the end, it might take a little longer, but I think that just being like loving people and being kind has gotten me into more doors than anything else. Um, yeah. And the best part about that is like, you really are, you know, like, thanks. <laughs> like, but that's the thing is like, you really are. And that's your heart. And, and you hear it in your music. It just, it's so crazy to me because your EP castles that you released in January. And I want to get into that song Island specifically because for me that song resonated so much and I do like I literally listen to it and I like, played in my car and I'm like yeah, oh my goodness I really that makes do. me so happy <laughs> I really really do but it's like you you hear it in your music you know like you're a light like it's inspiring and to be able to reach people through that art through your gift is like it's incredible because you are helping so many people and impacting so far beyond than what you know it hits with people and it matters you know wow thank you thank you thank you honestly that's my intention with everything I do so like the fact that you feel that in the music just makes me so happy that's that's literally my main intention for just the music to just have love coming through it you know it does. It's so, it really does. And it's so, it's real. Like you can literally, you can feel it, you know, like you can feel it and that's, yeah, it's powerful. So can we go there? Let's go to, let's go to your EP. Yeah. I started working on that probably a year and a half before it came out. Um, and the making of that EP was so crazy because the process for every single song was the same where I would just, the way that I write, I write kind of melodically first before the lyrics. So um, how I do that, I'll just get in there with my producer. He'll start playing like a little minimal beat and I'll just get on the mic and basically freestyle kind of gibberish. So it just kind of comes out like gibberish melodies and sometimes there'll be words in there. And that's how Island came out, which was so crazy because sometimes it's like, words will come through in this little freestyle flow thing that I'm like, I would not have thought of that on my own. Sometimes I'm like, I feel weird even taking credit for this because it truly feels like it came from a higher place. And I think that artists are just vessels. And when I'm creating, my intention is to like, just remove myself from the equation. I used to be like, I'm going to try to make a catchy song and I'm going to try to make a great song. But now when I'm making music, I literally am like, okay, I'm just going to try to remove myself um, and just drop my ego out of this and just be like, an open channel for ideas to flow through me that are higher than myself. And in those moments when ideas come through that I don't feel like I would have thought of myself, that's when I'm just like, wow, what an honor it is to be an artist. And then, yeah, Island kind of came out that way where it was one of those weird experiences where the words just 
flowed out of me that I wasn't even really thinking of. And all the songs we kind of did in that like flow state freestyle. And then we would just play it back and kind of write what it sounds like I said. And we just let the, the freestyles write the EP basically. And yeah. Wow. That's so cool. So was there any writing involved in that prior? For every song that we did on this one, we didn't write anything before. So I would ju- we would just go in and have a blank canvas. Wow. I think we did it the first session. I was, I was like, I love how this kind of more like an abstract thing where we're just tossing paint on the canvas. And for me, that's been just like the most authentic way to create. Um, wow. Just letting whatever wants to come through me, come through me. And yeah. That's wild. <laughs> it really is. That's crazy. Like that makes me appreciate it. Like I, I, yeah, because it's like, it really does come from such an authentic place. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Wow. It's so powerful. And Island has, I think, I mean, well surpassed what 4 million streams, right? Yeah. I think it just about hit 4 million, which is insane to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Insane. When I moved out of my, my old apartment, I don't even remember doing this. I wrote on a piece of paper. I wrote, I have, this was before I had any music out when I was still in that stage of just engulfed in self-doubt. I wrote on a piece of paper, I have 1 million streams on Spotify and I put it under my mattress, which is so random. I don't even remember doing that. I guess I wanted to just like sleep on it. I thought that would accelerate the manifestation. (laughs) So, and I, when I was picking up my mattress, moving out, I saw that under there and I was like, oh my goodness. Cause you know, we've surpassed that now. And I remember writing that thinking like, I thought, I thought 1 million was insane. Like I, I didn't even think I'd ever reach that insane you know that it, it resonates so well right like you mm-hmm. can talk a little bit more about that song your lyrics there just the season that you were in when you you know when, when you kind of piece that all together because you did share something on Instagram about that time yeah for sure so I mean my heart has always been helping people mental health like that that's why I started this journey for sure that's always been the leading force of what I'm doing and at the same time, I was always that person who's just like obnoxiously happy all the time. Like I've never really struggled with mental health. I've always felt super happy, grateful to be alive. Always just feel like just stoked to get to, to be here on this earth, you know? Um, and then it was September of 2019. I, it all started with what I now know was a panic attack. I entered into basically the darkest season of my life. It was, it was absolutely insane. I, was experiencing something called depersonalization, which is like an anxiety spectrum disorder where you have really terrifying feelings of unreality um, and it causes panic attacks. So this all started for me one day randomly. I had a panic attack. I woke up the next day and I felt so strange. Like my hands looked weird and everything looked weird around me. Like I felt like I was kind of in a dream and I was like, this is so strange. And then I was like, okay, maybe I just feel off from like whatever that was yesterday. And then it was like two days had passed and then a week and a month. And it was so scary. It would give me panic attacks because I kind of felt like I was like losing my mind. I just, everything looked weird. Everything felt weird. And then I started Googling it. And then I realized what it is. It's like a nervous system reaction, a form of anxiety, but I started going down these forums and I'll never forget. I read someone say, oh yeah, like depersonalization is a life sentence. And someone said, hey, I felt this way for 20 years. Like, does anyone know how to get out of it? And I would read these comments and I would just like spiral because I I knew I couldn't go on, like even going on one day longer feeling that way was difficult because it's just like, you feel so unsafe in your body and it just changed every aspect of my life. I was, I didn't want to see anyone that I loved because that's when it would like feel even worse. And I almost was like afraid to leave my house. I was having multiple panic attacks every day And it's crazy because I never knew, like, obviously I knew what panic attacks were, but I didn't think I realized 
it honestly mimics a heart attack. I thought that people having panic attacks was like, they're just freaking out, you know? I didn't realize the severity of it. And that was happening to me like every day. And I just remember thinking I would never feel normal again. And I read these comments of people saying that they felt that way for 20 years. And then this made me feel like depressed. And I just like my mental health spiraled and it was just so dark for me. And yeah, I I didn't really want to leave the house. It was just like the most debilitating period of my life. And it's so crazy because I feel like I had to go through that to really know what that feels like, because even though that was my passion, I almost feel like I lacked a little compassion for it just because I didn't know. I think that I thought it was something you could kind of like snap out of or being grateful would, you know, make you not depressed. And I just thought it was like this, this simple thing. I didn't realize how severe like the physical symptoms could be from having a mental health struggle. And I remember having this moment, just like rock bottom, laying on the floor moment, because I felt that way every day for about a year and a half. And it just like so much time had passed and it wasn't getting better. Not even a psychiatrist can help me. Like this is, my life is over. So I had that just moment on the floor. And I remember being like, just like that crying out to God moment, thinking that you're dying, you know? And I remember being like, I know in my heart that I'm going through this for a reason. I know that this is going to help someone someday. But at the same time, I was like, I literally don't think I'm going to make it. So I was like, God, if there's another way to do this, I literally don't think I'm going to make it. And yeah, looking back now, that period of my life was the most transformative. The joy and freedom I feel today is because of that period. I was scared that I would never get to feel joy again. And it, it came back in such a deeper and richer way. And I feel like my heart's just been cracked open for compassion for people that are suffering. And I read something that said, what God pulls you out of will become your rescue mission. And that just hits home for me so deeply because I feel like I will spend the rest of my life on a rescue mission for people that feel trapped in that place or struggling with mental health. Because I mean, that was only a couple of years ago. And now today, it's like, I literally tear up multiple times a day, just feeling so grateful to be alive. Like I feel like I'm at peak mental health and just looking back being like, wow, that was two years ago. Like, what if I didn't have a family that loved me and dreams and the things that kept me going, like these kids that feel that way and just think that it's the end of their life. And I just want to use my life as a testimony that like there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I truly think that darkness is a doorway for where the light can come in. And I think that what feels like it might be the end of your life can often just be the beginning Oh, you have me like tearing up over here. Oh. <laughs> I'm not oh, oh my goodness. I love you. <laughs> wow. Wow. And and it was during that time that you were you still recorded this during that season. Yeah, I actually I had a session recording and it was it was so hard for me to even go to the session. The craziest part about that period is that I didn't tell anyone. I told like my best friend, but I didn't really tell, I would start to try to tell people what I was experiencing and I could sense that they didn't really get what I was talking about and it would make me feel worse. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of walked through it alone. I I found this guy in Ireland that went through the same thing and he was like a North star home and um, just reading about his experience got me through it. But I just felt like no one could understand. And that's the thing about human suffering. I feel like we convince ourselves that our pain is so unique and no one will get it, but looking back after the fact, like so many people in my life would have been there for me and would have like had open arms, but I just like isolated myself. Yeah. I had the session to record Island. I remember having the worst panic attack I ever had was on the way home from this session. And it was just crazy for me being someone that's like, so 
grateful typically. I remember one day I got home and I was like, wow, I didn't have a panic attack today. And I'm like, that's my new celebration at the end of the day. Like, wow, I didn't have a panic attack. And then I would just like get depressed from there. And I was just like, what has my life become? I was never like this. I literally got blood tests, brain scans. I did so many different things because I was like, there's no way. I have, I feel like I had someone who is strong-minded. And I think that I thought that mental health struggles meant that you're not. And that has nothing to do with it. It felt like it was happening to me. Like I couldn't control it. When I went and got all these tests and I was like, nah, there's, I, I have to have a brain tumor. Like there's something wrong here. Yeah. And everything would come back negative. And I was like, maybe this is just somehow anxiety and depression and like these dissociative disorder, which is like commonly caused from anxiety. But the symptoms I was having were common with PTSD survivors. It was like somehow my body had convinced itself that there was like trauma going on, but I'm just, I'm so grateful for it. Honestly, I feel like it, it changed my life so much now knowing if I know that someone's struggling with that, it's just so different now. Yeah. I think first, I mean, thank you for sharing all of this really. It's, it's so powerful. And I think by you sharing this, I mean, I, I just, I know that just by you sharing this is going to help so many people that are listening. in. I really, really know that because here's the thing, I think to your point, right? Like you said, you went through this whole season and no one really knew. And I think how often that is with, with a lot of us, right. That we can, we just go through and go through and, and we don't really talk about some of the things that we're struggling with, but we are, we all struggle. That's why comparison, I think doesn't work. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all, we can always find somebody that has it better than us and has it worse than us. All these things like we compare, but it doesn't matter. You know, what's dark is dark is dark. And it's important, I think, to acknowledge those dark places that we're in and feel them. And I think it expands our capacity to, to look beyond the service and other people too, and really, you know, show compassion, which is what you do so much through your music. And in this, in this song, I think specifically, and even the lyrics is like, we're never alone. We're never alone. Yeah, exactly. And I love what you said that you have to feel it. I honestly think that pain is a gift. And I think it's an invitation to go within and to heal something that might need your attention or even just an invitation into a deeper level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, yeah, it can totally serve as a gift if you let it and you lean in and just like really feel it through. That's so good. What you said about there always being an invitation. I really believe that there's always an invitation into hope and healing and peace. And like, I think you put this out too, because you wrote about this, you know, on social media, when you talk about the emotion, right? Like it's okay to feel the emotion. The difference though, is that it doesn't have a home anymore. And I love this because it's like, Mm, yeah, it's like the emotion isn't good or bad it just is but it's those meanings those stories that we attach to them you know like that's the question so it's like waves right it's waves yes for sure you're speaking my language I think it's just like the ebbs and flow of human existence and I think so much suffering comes from attaching to those those waves and like giving it names and I just think just letting the emotions flow freely through you is where it's at yeah 100 percent but wow. Yeah. I mean, thank you for, for sharing all this, you know, about your own, own mental health journey and just to transition from there this Friday, September 10th is world suicide prevention day. And also when you are dropping your next single. So I'm so excited to get into this. I want you to just tell us a little bit of the details, right? Yeah. 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 Let's, let's get into it. I'm so excited for this. 
Thank you so much. I'm honestly so excited. This is the most excited I've ever been about a song in my life. So it's called Stay Alive, parentheses, the best is yet to come. And it's kind of like a suicide prevention song. And this song has been on my heart to make since I was 12. I think I tried to make a song like this when I was like 13. It was probably horrible. Um, but I, I knew that one day it would come to me. This is, this is genuinely why I started. And then I, I knew I never wanted to force it. And I would just kind of let it happen if it happened. And in April, I went on this little solo one-way adventure to this island in Hawaii called Kauai. And I, it was so spontaneous and random. I just kind of picked up and went by myself. And even that story was so crazy. I remember friends being like, like, why did you just pick up and leave to Hawaii? And I was, I remember I kept talking about the word desire and how I feel like our desires are actually intuitive gifts and the word desire kind of has a negative connotation of being indulgent but how I think that our desires are something to lean into so I was like journaling about that word on the plane there and then I get to Hawaii and I literally stumble across this little it's like a rock thing that had desire carved into it and I stepped on it I still have it I keep it by my bed and it's just in those moments where I'm like wow alignment you know just yeah. So, so crazy. So I had this little desire rock and I was like, okay, I know I came out here for a reason. I don't know why yet, but I'm sure I'll find it. And then I'm sitting outside this little cafe and I hear in my head, the melody and lyrics to stay alive. And I was like, what is this? And I voice memo and it starts flooding out of me. And the voice memo is so funny because you can hear roosters and people talking and like coffee cups clanking. And it's just trying to get out of me and the words are just pouring out. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And then I remember thinking, I wrote this whole song in under 60 seconds, which has never happened to me before. And I remember thinking, dang, I wish I had somewhere where I could go just like a empty acoustic room and just sing this through like while I'm in this flow. And in that same second, my phone was dying. So I was sitting on the ground having it plugged in. And this guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, my phone's dying. He's like, listen, I own this plaza and my office is empty because of COVID. If you want the key, it's just like this big open room. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I go into this room and I finish the song right away. And it was the most supernatural experience I've ever had writing a song. It honestly felt like the song chose me. I sent the voice memo that I made to a good friend of mine who produces, who I just trust. I feel like he just knows my soul and he would just get it. So I sent him this voice memo. He plugged in my voice note and produced an entire song off of it. When I got back to LA, I worked with him. I co-produced it a little bit myself. And then we finished the track and this was in April and I wanted to save it for September 10th because it's World Suicide Prevention Day. So we had it, we've had this finished for a couple of months, but I thought it'd be special to release on this day to spread even more awareness. But yeah, I, I have such a good feeling about this song and I think it's so needed right now. I was reading yesterday, we lose 800,000 people every year to suicide. And like that number is just insane. And my hope is that this song will just land in the ears of someone that really needs it. I feel like with this topic, it can be hard to not be too heavy. And the goal with this song is to be super uplifting. And the track is kind of like, it really puts into perspective for the listener almost to see their life like from their future self. So I'm hoping to just expand the mindset of someone who's in that state when it's just really hopeful and yeah I mean even even for people that aren't in, in that dark of a space just like the concept stay alive I feel like it can mean so many things but my heart for the song is is definitely for people that feel like they're like at the end of their rope you know yeah for sure for sure and I love that that perspective of your future self because I think oftentimes we always look back and say okay what would I tell my younger self but let's have that vision ahead for our future self right was I picking that up correctly yeah for sure the bridge of the song kind of like flips the perspective and 
not to spoil too much, but it, you know, one day you'll, you'll tuck your kids in at night and there's like a moment that tries to fast forward the listener mm-hmm. to see the end of their life. And yeah, I think that's so important. Just like forward thinking and, and thinking ahead. It's so easy to think that the season that you're in is a lifetime. I know for me, um, when I was really struggling, I, I couldn't see forward anymore. Like I was like, this is, this feels like the end. I remember thinking I'll never be able to pursue my dreams now. There's no way. Cause I could barely even go to the grocery store. And I remember thinking this was forever. Like, I just thought that was it. Yeah. And it's so easy to mistake a season for a lifetime. Wow. That's so good. I'm so excited. I cannot wait for you to hear it. I I can't wait either. I can't wait. So it's dropping Friday. What time? Yeah. It comes out Friday. So (laughs) I mean, we're on different, we're on different time zones here, sister, you know? Oh, I'm actually, I'm going to Boston on Wednesday. So I'm flying home because I really want to be in my childhood bedroom for this song because that's where I I feel like this dream. Yeah. I feel like this is where that dream came to me. And I have this little chalk wall from when I was like 12 that says like, be a light, never give up and all these things. And I just want to go be in that space and really just soak in the moment, you know? So I'll be on your, on your time zone, sis. (laughs) It comes out at midnight East coast on Thursday. So 9 PM in LA. So yeah, Thursday night. I, I might wait. have to, I might have to leak it to you before that, because I'm excited for you yeah, to hear please, it. Yeah, please, can you send it to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Wow. I can't wait. All right. This has been amazing. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited. The song is dropping September 10th. It's very soon. It's very soon. And I'm so excited. <laughs> you are incredible. You're, you really are. I loved doing this. Thank you so much for, for joining me and taking your time because I do know that you are super, super busy this week getting ready. And I'm so excited for you and behind you all the way. So this is awesome. Thank you so much. I love you so much. And I love you. Yeah, this, this was so, so good Thanks for listening to me. Yes. And also you can connect. I was going to say you can connect with Christina. <laughs> Christina. <laughs> <Who's> Christina? <laughs> She wild. <laughs> but anyway, still, we can connect with you on Instagram at she is wild, W-Y-L-D-E. Your new song is dropping on Friday. Cannot wait. It's called Stay Alive. The best is yet to come. Thank you so much for real. I appreciate you and love you and you are a light and I'm just, thank you so much. (laughs) I love you so much. I'm honestly honored to know you. I love everything about you and yeah, I'm so grateful. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. I wish we could go hang out now, but we're on different, different sides of the country. (laughs)